what we're really teaching people is like how to build better coping mechanisms to deal with stress and uncertain situations, right? Uh-huh. So we put people in uncomfortable situations, you know, we call it water confidence training, right? We remove your arms, we remove your hands, we remove your legs, or we remove something from that equation. So you make sure that you can still survive in the water and kind of work through that, navigate that piece. And, you know, your body doesn't really know what kind of stressors it's responding to right like yeah. you know firefighters running to a burning building or you know an argument at home with your significant other whatever mm-hmm. that is you know people's cortisol still are, levels are still rising and they don't really know how to deal with that but in the water you know underwater if we help them adapt to that situation where it's coming close to that kind of breaking point or that mm-hmm. fire flight all the time they become more accustomed to dealing with that stress level Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where I bring you candid conversations with elite athletes, entrepreneurs, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these dialogues, you will hear powerful stories and practical advice that will help you live a more active and intentional life. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Zero Quit Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Don Tran. He's an athlete, entrepreneur, and veteran, having served 12 years in the military as a water survival instructor, as well as a Marine Raider. He's one of the co-founders of Deep End Fitness, which offers aquatic training, breathwork classes, and much more. How are you doing, Don? Doing well, brother. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. It's been, I feel like, a, a uh, trial and tribulation itself, trying to coordinate our schedules and all that. I feel like I've had a pretty busy summer and I feel like you specifically with Deep in Fitness have had a very busy, I feel like just maybe the past year you guys have been expanding or maybe it's been more than that. But I know that uh, it's really hard to expand any business, but especially one centered around, I think, aquatics and getting the right facility and training the right instructors. And it just seems like uh, a headache, but worth it in the long run, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been a huge train. We, we actually uh, started the company in uh, end of 2017, but we mm-hmm. didn't start our expansion program until September of 2021. Okay. So right now, uh, we're pushing out to key cities across the United States and just uh, trying to spread the, the love, the uh, training program, and like a little bit more of like the mental resilience side as well. So pushing yeah. out right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely want to dig into all that because I find it like a really fascinating type of business. Um, but I want to kick off with, of course, your military background a little bit. So when did you serve and what were your roles specifically? Because I feel like Marine Raider is one of those titles that just sounds like even more badass than SEAL. Just like the, the terminology itself just sounds cool. I appreciate cool. that, Ross. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about uh, yeah what you did in the military. Yeah, I joined in uh, 2006 and I served four years in the infantry, uh, did two deployments to Iraq, uh, and then I came back and then I went to uh, selection, assessment selection, which was like the tryout process for going into Marine Special Operations. So we didn't even have the title of Marine Raider at the time. It was just uh, Marine Special Operations Command. So that's mm-hmm. what like the command was called. It's called MARSOC. And then tried out for that, made it, um, and then I had like a about eight months to a year time frame where I was waiting for a school seat to go and um, go to the actual course, which makes you a Marine Raider, which is an uh, mm-hmm. individual training course. So during that time, my business partner, he was already working at a pool on Camp Pendleton uh, at the Horner Pool. So he invited me over like, hey, do you want to work here, train here and get ready to go together? Because we met at selection. Mm-hmm. So we had that kind of like nine month time period of just training and working out in the pool, um, had the hills of Camp Pendleton and we had like donated this like old jailhouse weight set on the side of the pool yeah so that's kind of how the concept of deep and fitness worked out but yeah so <laughs> i was gonna say oh, like God. were you guys already incorporating some like weights in that aquatic training or when, when you reference he's in the pool and all that are you guys mostly working on uh breath work and actual kind of movement and endurance within uh the water itself yeah I, honestly like breath work wasn't a, a massive thing at the time uh-huh. like the only breath you know, techniques or anything I learned before that was probably like a, a little conference that we did in the military that um, this guy named Lieutenant Colonel Grossman introduced mm-hmm. uh, the box breathing method. Yes, I heard that. Yeah. You know, so um, it was in his book, like he wrote two books called one's called On Combat and On Killing. And it was like a aha moment for me because I just remember some of the my my first deployments, I was so scared and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of discombobulated from the fear, the explosions, the gunfire and all that stuff. I couldn't really remember much because I was such in a fight or flight instinct majority mm-hmm. of the time. So it's like, hey, this is a way to slow everything down, you know, tap into your parasympathetic nervous system and then just be able to bank, make better decisions. So that was mm-hmm. like the first thing. So I was started using just the box breathing method when we started training in the pool. But 
as you know, like you're doing a box breathing method, it's like four seconds in, four hold, four out, four hold. It's mm-hmm. really hard to make those breath holds when you're like, hey, they're going to ask you to go back down underwater. So we started adapting a little bit like, hey, maybe we take out those holds and then increase our, you know, exhale time or increase our inhale time. So it was like the first time of us kind of playing with that uh, mm-hmm. there at the pool. Um, so fast forward, we went into uh, Marine Special Operations, did a few deployments with them to uh, Afghanistan, uh, the Philippines. And I got um, one lucky to Malay or into Australia. Did a few places on the tour on the way there, and then I mm-hmm. finished off with the last deployment in uh, the Philippines. So, with your time in Afghanistan, how, especially if you are incorporating, or maybe you're not already incorporating some of this aquatic training and this focus as a Marine Raider yet, but like, where is the the kind of overlap that your battalion or unit and that the Marines are playing? Like, what kind of role is the Marines playing in Afghanistan? Yeah, so. We worked under uh, SOCOM, which is Special Operations Command. That you know, it's like a joint combined force that has you know, yeah. like the SEALs, the Green Berets, the uh, Air Force PJs, the controllers, and all that stuff. So, under that, when you deploy to, especially a combat zone, mm-hmm. um, your task under a JSODF, which is Joint Special Operations Task Force, and underneath that's like a SODF Special Operations Task Force. But within that, pretty much everybody's doing the same mission or mm-hmm. white soft is what they would call it. So the SEALs, the Green Berets, us, um, we pretty much go in and attach to like a local militia or build our own militia mm-hmm. over there with the Afghans or attach to the commandos and then we'll go out and do missions with them. So one of our missions was the key one was uh, the village stability operation. So we deployed into a small village that mm-hmm. has known enemy combatants and then try to find and police the force and build up a militia to kind of fight their own wars and their battles. So equip them with, you know, supplies, weapons, um, money sometimes to pay them, Mm -hmm. um, and then help them train up and, uh, get ready to fight their own wars and combats, uh, when we leave, right. Cause the goal is always for us to get out of that area. Yeah, ideally, and that didn't always work out so well, I guess, in Afghanistan at all, (laughs) Yeah, but Military aside, how was your transition process? Because I always find it, find it pretty fascinating to hear, uh, you know, those stories of, okay, you, you leave the military, and I think life can be fairly straightforward, simple, and rigid when you're out on the range, and you kind of have a very uh, set idea of your roles, responsibilities, uh, you know, where you're at, where you're supposed to be, and then once you get home out of the military, it's kind of like open range freedom. And uh, so how was that transition process for you? Yeah, man, for like everybody, it's a little bit different, right? But for me, I was extremely fortunate to have like a good support network and system from guys that are previously in or, you know, guys that just gotten out and helped me out, especially with my family as well. So Mm -hmm. when I got back from the Philippines deployment, the last one, it was in like 2017 in August. So from that point, they were like, hey, you know, you have eight months till you get out, pretty much, you know, you can enroll in school or do a run and you can stay with the unit. So for me, it was like super easy in that perspective where uh, I got to start attending community college. I was like, hey, what do I want to do with my life? I got like my personal training certification and then started working out 24-hour fitness and Mm -hmm. as a personal trainer. So that was like, okay, so let's figure out some things that we like to do and and see. Did you meet uh, Bart at that time? Because I'm I'm fairly familiar with Barbell Brigade with all my like bodybuilding, powerlifting background. I thought it was cool that you uh, you're pretty intertwined with him. Um, I did not meet him yet, but I mean, so Bart's, you know, like he was an old Marine as well. And he had made yeah. all those funny videos back in the day with, um, just kidding. Or I can't remember yeah. the brand that they had it back then, but you know, from back then I was like always laughing. I remember even in high school, like in my senior year, I was watching some videos about him getting beat up by a big <laughs> buff black guy or whatever, yeah. you know? So that's kind of like my only exposure to him at the point. Uh, okay. It wasn't until like after I got out for like two years or a year and some change that um you guys connected yeah connected yeah gotcha Gotcha. but um after that um started working at 24-hour fitness Mm -hmm. and uh going to community college and i was like all right cool i want to go transfer somewhere and do something else and i was like okay we had the idea of starting deep in fitness at the time so we're like hey maybe we should go to business school and figure out what that looks like so applied for um a bunch of undergrad programs for business and um USC was one of them and didn't get in there. And then I got into Chapman, which is like a small private um, school in Orange County in Southern mm-hmm. California. So I went there for my undergrad. And then uh, directly after that, went into um, USC for my uh, MBA program. So because I didn't get it the first time. So I was like, hey, I got to make sure I get it yeah. the second time. How Come much, on. you know, I'll, I'll ask you how much 
do you feel like the NBA and that that you know the programs you went through were essential? Obviously, there's there's benefit to it, but like, how essential do you think they were, or how different would your story have been without those? Because a lot of entrepreneurs like myself maybe just went the the raw route, where like we're gonna figure it yeah. out and 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 learn through doing rather than the classroom. Because I think sometimes the classroom can be somewhat superfluous, but you also do get one, a big sense of confidence and credibility, I think, going through that um, connections, relationships, networking. And there is still a ton of value, especially depending on the program or the instructor. Um, so what are your thoughts, I guess, on what you really got out of uh, those programs and how that led to uh, a successful run of your business? Yeah. So for my undergrad program at Chapman, it was like the really the wave tops of, you know, accounting, finance, um, you know, mm -hmm. marketing operations and what that looks like in a very like minuscule kind of way, like understand the basics, like, hey, numbers go here, you know, you need to yeah. track for the things in the past with accounting, you need to plan for the future with finance and budgeting and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. it was just like the basic concept in the beginning. But it wasn't until like when I went to the MBA program I was like, take what you've learned now, explore it times a million, mm -hmm. and then like really identify like the mistakes of big companies. That was like the major kind of thing. And we had a, a very fortunate program where people brought their business problems into the classroom and they explored that with us. So it was gotcha. like a great learning point where, you know, we had a class of like 70 people in the beginning and uh, experience levels in the MBA program were like lawyers, doctors, mm -hmm. you know, they had their own the practice, you know, rocket scientists, um, you know, engineers from Boeing. So like how people solve problems was mm -hmm. really, really interesting on how they kind of framed it and then dive into it. Right. So learning that experience is like always just hearing people's different perspective that there's always multiple solutions to one problem. Yeah. And so it's like actual sparked. practical, like, Hey, these are real life scenarios that we're dealing with. Yeah. And it, it does sound like to me, which I would have probably presumed anyway, that something like an MBA or at least a high level mentor that you can lean on is pretty crucial for where you're at right now of scaling a business of getting, you know, much more funding, uh, and, and these kind of higher level things to do where, you know, if you're just having a small business and it could, you know, be a couple, uh, six figure, you know, right annual business or even like low million dollar business that you maybe could work that out yourself, but to get to those higher levels, you definitely think need some of that, um, greater expertise to lean on. Yeah. And a hundred percent. I know a bunch of entrepreneurs too, that have gone up from the ground up, you, yeah. know, you know, like no major schools or anything like that. You know, some of like Bart was a pre-med. Yeah. You know, so he didn't go to any business school, you know, yeah. but he's killing it right now and crushing it. So mm -hmm. um, I think the benefits, uh, majority of it is like from the networking, like you said, right, you have access to all these people that become your friends that go through shared struggles with you go through like taking finals doing group projects and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So you can still lean on them afterwards, no matter what, you know, and they still have, you know, there's still doctors and stuff like that I can give you advice and you know how they run their business and, and all that stuff so the network thing is number one and then number two is like um it's really what you put into it right mm -hmm. so you can learn as much as you want or you can just get by and pass uh just like any other anything else in life right the more you explore that especially the things for like that was diving into entrepreneurship the growth you know scaling and making a business like repeatable you know mm -hmm. it's like some of the skills that that was never like really stood out to me unless I took that, that, that I needed. So there's definitely pros and cons. Of course, it's a like very expensive program as well. Yeah. So that's a pros and cons and kind of what you want to dive to. But um, overall, love the program, love the connections, love the people, and then uh, love the experience coming from it from all, as well. What did you take away from your time in the military that you think lent a hand to uh, entrepreneurship? Because I feel like a lot of, and I guess this is like a gross generalization because it's just like these success stories you see on Instagram that have like become something outside of the military. But it seems like there are a lot of veterans that lean into entrepreneurship and have great success. Uh, what kind of, I guess, character traits or lessons do you think translate well to the real world and like the business world? Yeah, I mean, like a really cliche thing that Marines always say is uh, adapt and overcome. Yeah, I mean, like that, like the Bear Grylls thing. That, yeah, yeah <laughs> if you put that into like any situation, especially entrepreneurship, where mm -hmm. you know you're going to fail, you know you're going to mess up, but it's about like, hey, how do you adapt Pivoting. to that situation and yeah. overcome it, right? And then, you know, other things is just like the ability to work within a team is huge, mm. right? Because you can't, I mean, as a very beginning stages of entrepreneurship, you can try to figure everything out on your own, but, um, you know, additional help as you continue to grow and scale is always a massive thing. So 
leadership, how to work well in a team. And um, especially me coming from special operations, more of like a small kind of, you know, tactic mm-hmm. and small unit team where it wasn't like, hey, you're my boss all the time. You, This is like more of a friendship. Hey, we're sharing in the struggle. We're growing together. And I think that in an environment has really helped our team kind of progress forward. Of course, there's hierarchy and, and structure like that, but it's never mm-hmm. like guys pulling rank or like, hey, you need to do this because, you know. Yeah, it seems like I'm there's a lot more like collaboration, which it sounds like what you guys had to do in uh, Afghanistan as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's hear about Deep End Fitness. What, so you talked a little bit about where the inspiration came from, um, but w- what was the story, I guess, of how you guys actually took this vision and put it into practice? Uh, what, what were the, the initial struggles, the initial ideas? Um, where did you get funding? Give me the whole, uh, whole story of that. Yeah, so um, we started the company as I was getting out of the military in the end of 2017, and then my business partner, uh, Prime Hall, we served in the military together as well, uh, like mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, but he got out in 2017. 17 uh as well and um from there we started we're like hey we love to coach people we love to athletics and fitness and we love helping people and mentoring people it was like hey maybe we can start a business doing this before that we kind of explored different ideas like security contracting down in in mexico but that's kind of Mm -hmm. very hairy situation right now with two guys starting a company doing all (laughs) that stuff down there but so we kind of pivoted and we're like all right cool let's stay in the united states and figure out how we can make a business uh with training people in the pool Mm-hmm. So at first, we always used to play this game called underwater football at the time. And when we were in the military, it was just like a water conference game, like an underground kind of like um, pickup basketball in the military. Yeah. Right. And so we started off with that first. We were like, hey, all right, cool. Let's see if we have a viable business solution. One of our mentors, Derek Herrera, was like, hey, if you can start two pools, create two teams, have them train and compete against each other in three months, you might have a viable business plan mm-hmm. or a business idea. So we tried that out. We started a pool just north of Camp Pendleton where we were stationed uh, in San Clemente and then one south of Camp Pendleton in Oceanside. You know, started training people using a lot of the stuff that we used to do in the military and then kind of adapting it to like civilians, ex-military guys, veterans, police police departments and fire departments, like our main crowd in the beginning, just I guess from our background. Mm -hmm. And then we competed in uh, what we call the Aqua Bowl at the time, uh, or actually still called Aqua Bowl now, like a championship game with two teams playing this underwater uh, football game. Um, And then from there, we kind of progressed and like, oh man, you know, people love this. People love challenging themselves and pushing their limits in the water like this. Or, all right, cool. Is it okay if we can explore idea to expand to another pool? So then we opened one in Irvine, opened one down in San Diego. And that was like, all right, cool. This is a great idea. Um, but people were like, I don't want to come and play underwater football. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, there's no football. There's no, you know, tactics that really resemble football at the time. So we're like, okay, well, we're playing with a torpedo. That was like mm-hmm. a little toy torpedo we had. And we kind of transitioned the name to Underwater Torpedo League. And then in the summer of 2018, um, we were lucky and fortunate enough to be connected with some off-season NFL players like Micah mm. Hyde, uh, Manti Teo, yeah. um, Nick Novak, and just a few different names. They were in, living in San Diego during their off-season. They're like, hey, we want to come out and, and try this. So mm-hmm. started training them. They're like, all right, we love this style of training, but we can't call it underwater torpedo. We have a sport already. So that's yeah. when we kind of developed like, oh, well, we're training at a deep end of a pool. Might as well call it deep end fitness. So that was like middle of 2018 was where gotcha. the name came from. So then that's where we kind of separated the business and started running with Deep End Fitness as a major training arm. And we just noticed mm-hmm. that caught way more traction than trying to build an underwater sport. Yeah, let me pause right. you there. So you talked about you started with these two pools and you branched out. At this point, are they just literally just single pools? Like there's no office, there's no kind of thing outside of them? And, and were you essentially like actually structuring up these pools and building them out? Or were you kind of taking them over? Or what did that look like? So we actually rent, go in and rent public or municipal pools or okay that's what pools. i think so they were like rented pools and then you would kind of set up shop run events and and like kind of like a rec league yep exactly gotcha yeah, so um i mean we could of course we could build a pool but we didn't have any capital or anything of course that's, that's what like I was wondering. later down the line so we're going and tapping into like pre-existing pools some of them you know are dying and they're not bringing enough revenue so we're bringing more community we're bringing more revenue mutual benefit of, yeah exactly attack it from that angle and like a lot of the lifeguard programs out there, they don't have adequate training for their lifeguards, whether it's ocean or, you know, pool, and they partner mm-hmm. with the pool. So we kind of come in and provide that gap as well for them, invite their lifeguards and all that stuff to make sure that they're more proficient in the water. 
Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So so that explains that. All right. So you're starting to get some traction. You make this distinction between deep in fitness and the underwater torpedo league, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, so what were the next steps, I guess, into building out and making sure this was a, a flourishing business? Yeah. So at that point we were running prime and I were splitting ops and running our own pools. And, and, you know, I was taking care of the North and trying to push up to LA. He was taking mm -hmm. care of um, South County or San Diego County and things down there. So um, at that point, we're like, all right, we need to build an instructor program where we can replace ourselves, right? Like train the mm -hmm. trainer program and kind of build that out. So we started doing our instructor courses and helping train people and like creating different levels of like what they get, uh, what they're learning and all that stuff. And that has evolved so much too, from when we yeah. started. But we also noticed that there was so much breath work incorporated with, you know, I started doing the deep dive of breath work, free diving, uh, CrossFit style workouts. So I went out and got my, my level one and my level two, did some free diving courses, did some breath work courses to see like, where's that bleed over in between of what we're teaching right now from the military specific, because that's all we really knew, right? Mm -hmm. To what's out there and what's the most beneficial for people. So, um, you know, up until what it is right now, we just take so much influence from other fitness modalities out there to kind of combine it to one to get like a holistic mind and body experience, right? So like the key thing that we noticed, though, is, of course, like people can train in the in the water, it's amazing, low impact, all that stuff, people are swimming, yeah. you know, great cardio and all that stuff. Of course, you can do poolside workout, you know, and we do basic calisthenics, you know, some limited weightlifting. We switched from doing a lot of kettlebell stuff to dumbbells because of the rubberized stuff. Yeah. We don't want to crack the pool decks and stuff, but started to combine that. But the biggest piece though, that people were getting the benefits from was actually like when they go underwater, right? So mm -hmm. we'll gas them out on the surface or on the side of the pool. And then, Hey, when we go underwater, everybody has that kind of dive alarm that goes out like, Hey, I need to come up for air or like, Hey, do I have enough air? Or they go into that kind of fight or flight instinct right like i need to come up i'm, I'm freaked out kind of mm -hmm. thing so we play within between that line somewhere like hey we teach them some skills to down regulate their breath to their breathing patterns so they can go down more prepared or like hey what's that mental block or that mental um opening that you can kind of find in there to mm -hmm. make sure that you can still calm yourself down in a stressful situation yeah right? like really yeah, really emphasizing the how the mind and body work together, but like that distinction, because it sounds like, you know, in your body, because I'm just imagining it now, like, you know, going hard on an echo bike and then <laughs> going underwater. It's like you, like you said, the last thing you'd want to do, but then teaching the mind to stay calm and, and, and relaxed. Uh, I can see the benefit of that. Yeah. So, you know, what we're really teaching people is like how to build better coping mechanisms to deal with stress and uncertain situations, right? Uh -huh. So we put people in uncomfortable situations, you know, we call it water confidence training, right? We remove your arms, we remove your hands, we remove your legs, or we remove something from that equation to make sure that you can still survive in the water and kind of work through and navigate that piece. And, you know, your body doesn't really know what kind of stressors it's responding to right like yeah. you know firefighters running to a burning building or you know an argument at home with your significant other whatever mm -hmm. that is you know people's cortisol still levels are still rising and they don't really know how to deal with that but in the water you know underwater if we help them adapt to that situation where it's coming close to that kind of breaking point or that mm -hmm. fire flight all the time they become more accustomed to dealing with that stress level so that's where we're coming at now. So adapted all those programs and really kind of focus on that to make us the key differentiator of other fitness programs or else we're just doing calisthenics and swim yeah. laps. Well, I imagine it's really yeah. hard to try and slowly, because it sounds like it, it really was a step-by-step -step process with building out, you know, full-fledged, like what is deep in fitness. And it sounds like at this point, you guys are creating kind of instructional courses and then later it led to maybe potentially more uh, consistent classes and all that. So when did you guys incorporate actually getting the weights in the water and recognizing, Hey, there's, there's not, it's not just a gimmick, but there's benefit to actually, you know, utilizing some of these dumbbells or different modalities underwater as well. I mean, we've always done that. It was always part of the program. It wasn't okay. something new, even in the military we incorporate, but it wasn't like, and we saw like the benefits when we were going to, uh, let's rewind a little bit. So like when yeah. we were working in the pool, um, and then went over to special operations, we were pretty much going back and forth from Afghanistan, 
right? Mm-hmm. That after that, when Obama was pulling all the troops out, it was our mission for First Marine Raider Battalion to go back over to the Pacific. So, you know, Australia, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, um, all those waterborne ops where they have all those islands out there. So you need mm-hmm. to be an amphibious team. You need to be dive team ready and go dive school and all that stuff. So that was kind of like our another aha moment. We're like, hey, we have this tool that we used to use when we trained in the pool. Let's get the guys ready to go to dive school and get ready to go to whatever school they need to go to and be more water confident, right? Because the water kind of messes with everyone's head in a certain level because everybody could be a beast on land, but mm-hmm. underwater it's a little bit different. And that was our mission. So that had to be our focus. So that was kind of where the moment as well as like, hey, we're better for training our minds and our bodies at the time. So fast forward, that's where the concept kind of developed and continue to grow from there. Gotcha. What are the specific benefits, if there are any like special benefits of doing some like like we mentioned, there's the, the, the cardio benefit and some strength benefits and low resistance of training underwater. But actually, maybe set aside the very you know the specificity of the military. What is the benefit, let's say, for a civilian to do some of that underwater training with uh, dumbbells? Is it specific, specifically that mental component, or are there actually some additional uh, strength advantages that are peculiar peculiar to uh, being underwater? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it's it's the mental aspect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess you guys still, um, maybe not at your location, but still kind of implement strength training. It sounds like, you know, poolside, um, as well with that. Yeah. And we try to look at ourselves like a, as like a full functional fitness program. Now, um, our program, like people probably do it, you know, two, three times a week that they come to depending on pool availability. So they're not doing it every single day. Yeah. It's complimentary. They're still getting a benefit. Yes, exactly. It's complimentary. So there's still a lot of benefits to it, but, um, you know, if you're looking for hypertrophy or like muscle gain, you're not going to find that specifically (laughs) in a pool fitness. No bodybuilding in the pool. Okay. Gotcha. So you've worked with, uh, which is one of the things that caught my eye like years ago on embedded. And I think when 10,000 promoted, but I saw you working with Dom Cruise and I was like, I remember it popped up and I was like, man, that place looks familiar. And I was like, wait, deep in fitness. I look, I was like, Oh, it's Don trans place. So what has it been like working with some of those athletes and specifically, what are they coming to you guys for? As we mentioned, is it that, that mental, component or I know for Don Cruz specifically dealing with a million and a half injuries I guess that low resistance offers a lot of benefits for athletes too yeah exactly both of that so I mean it just okay. depends what modality and what sports people are coming in for you know for Dom like it was recovering he had the, that crazy foot injury that he was coming yeah. to us with he had that shoulder injury that he was coming to us with he was like hey I can't really do a lot of swimming with my arms and yeah. I can't really do too much like doing powerful movements, kicking off the 12 foot bottom of a pool to come back mm-hmm. up, you know, what kind of benefits can I gain here? And we're like, well, we can help you mentally and kind of push you through that and then show you like small stepping stones. Cause it's really easy to taper, like how explosive you are in the water. Right. And how much it can injure you because there's so much resistance on both sides going up, going down. Mm. And then also it's like your breath has a lot to do and control with it. So we started off then with just the mental aspects, like, Hey, let's push your mind a little bit and, you know, give you some wins in the beginning mm-hmm. because he was just overcoming so many injuries at the time. Yeah. Um, so that was the initial bit. And then he was like, all right, cool. My ankle's feeling a little bit better. My foot's feeling a little bit better. My shoulder's feeling a little better. All right, okay, let's push it a little bit to a bit, push it more a little bit. So mm-hmm. we started creating these, what we call burner rounds with all of our, you know, MMA athletes where we would mimic what it would look like. You know, if they're fighting three minute rounds, five minutes round, one minute yeah. break in between, gas them out, max them out for those three to five minutes. And then, put them in a one minute recovery session. Like, Hey, what's the best thing you can do? What's the breathing protocols that you need Mm -hmm. to be in? What's like your mind, what are you telling internally? What are you telling your mind to better prepare you for the next stop, the next fight or the next round or whatever it is. So that was like the biggest kind of moment that all these fighters started coming for us. So it was like Dom Cruz. We had like Liz Carmouche and Liam McFarlane and like all these people were like, we started coming for that small piece right there because that one minute is so crucial for a fighter. Yeah. how you put your back yourself into mentally and like, Hey, prepare your body for the next fight. And if you're gasping for air and like, you know, shallow chest breathing, you're just going to create way more anxiety and stress in your own mind. That's yeah. not going to help you think clearly for the next one when you get hit in the face. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, yeah. MMA is all about how can I stay calm even when I'm rocked? How can I recover in that minute? How can I stay calm when I, you know, got a guy backpacking me trying to slip in a rear naked choke and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, now let's get into those, those questions of scaling and expansion with Deep in Fitness. Um, so you mentioned you kind of kicked this off. What was it, 2021 you guys started expanding? 
Yeah, September of 2021. What goes into choosing a new location for you guys? Like, what markers are you looking for? Like, hey, this city's a good fit. This market is is what we're looking for. Yeah, so we first kind of try to do our own, you know, marketing, push out, sales funnel, sales process. Like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. We know that there's a lot of free divers, CrossFitters, military bases around a, an, an area. That's where we kind of target um, and start reaching out to people there. But because, like, finding a pool let's go into the process first like finding yeah. a pool you know getting people instructor certified getting them to get insurance and all that stuff is a very difficult process like they're starting their own business right so when we started identifying places it was very hard to find quality leads when we we're doing the outreach ourselves. like you love linkedin because at this point are you still uh do you guys have an actual like it's your pool um where you're at now no we don't have any of our own facilities okay so you guys are basically kind of leveraging um, other facilities, but coming in and offering a ton of value. Exactly. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so right now we're at 22 locations and then we're looking to expand to 40 and that's where we're kind of going to make that decision of like, Hey, do we want to continue the same process or do we have enough brand power capital to start building our own and kind of possibly switch it maybe switch it to a franchise model or what that would look like so a lot of the limiting Um, factors come to how can we train these people and make sure that they're carrying our brand and ethos uh properly and then the funding aspect of okay can we actually uh you know get people paying for these courses in these cities and and obviously pay our employees or instructors yep exactly but okay individual locations where we're expanding to like it's an individual starting their own business like Mm -hmm. a crossfit affiliate model right so they come into the instructor course and then they'll run their own program. They run their own business. But okay. if you can imagine it, like in between CrossFit affiliate and like an F45 franchise model, that's where mm-hmm. we kind of live in between through a licensing. We do provide a lot of help, the CRM, the customer service, um, gotcha. a little bit of help on the marketing side and all that stuff. So somewhere in between the process of the two. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Well, I guess it changes my questions a little bit, but I think this this one still uh, remains. Is like, how do you... What is, I guess, your focus on making sure that they are carrying that same kind of ethos and quality of of training? I guess you guys are instructing, so I guess it's kind of what you're what you're doing now, right? Um, leaving soon is making sure that you um, or Prime or whoever you guys, you know, your top instructors are, are out there, uh, boots on ground, really working with these people and making sure that um, you're not just uh, kind of offhanding this business and letting them kind of run with it. I guess my question is, what are what are the struggles you've been running into with the expansion so far? Yeah. So, of course, you know, in any program, any fitness modalities or anything like that, there's great instructors, there's decent instructors, and there's also some bad ones, right? But we do our sure. best to kind of vet the process. And the from our process, from like day one, they express interest to when they launch is probably typically around four to six months in that okay. time period. So we do have time to talk them on the phone, vet them, make sure they're a good fit, make sure we understand their motivations, their drive. Why do they want to do this? Are they in it for the money? Because it's, you know, initially when you start off any small business, it's not about the money right away. It's about the long-term goal, right? Um, And then we do the process and they, our first like in-person vetting process would be that instructor course that they come out for because you need to be an instructor to start the business. Mm -hmm. So that's like a uh, one to two day course, depending on their comfortability level in the water. Yeah. And that's like our first interactions. We watch them teach, we teach them, you know, so it's like a great experience to understand if they have the capacity to do that. If they don't, then, you know, they don't pass the course. Yeah, it sounds like making so. making sure it's like a big buy-in so that the people that are going to stick it out are truly committed to the brand. And like you said, like they're not just in it for a, a cash grab or easy opportunity. Yeah. They, they really got to put in the work yeah. and time into it. But we don't want to make it too difficult and strenuous where, so that there always has to be that balance of like, hey, what's acceptable? And we played around with it, you know, uh, a lot in the, the past yeah. few years and adjusted. So after that, they do the instructor course and then boom, it starts like a men- three month mentoring process at the minimum to help them uh, get into the pool and negotiate the best deal, mm-hmm. help them with their marketing plan, uh, you know, make sure they have created social media. We create a month long marketing plan with them, whether it's the email, mm-hmm. um, social media, guerrilla marketing, word of mouth is probably the best way, of course. Mm-hmm. And then, um, set a launch date and then we'll throughout that process we're still mentoring help them out all the business side and stuff like that so all that interaction up into that point of like the grand opening launch uh-huh. is a great vetting process for us to get them on board and, and make sure that 
um, they're in it for the right reasons. Yeah. What, where are the yeah. uh, locations and cities you guys in right now? Um, primarily a lot of them in, are in Southern California in LA, uh, Long Beach, Orange County, like Newport Beach, Irvine, Los mm-hmm. Alamitos, San Clemente, um, Oceanside, Carlsbad, La Jolla, Chula Vista, San Diego. Those are all in Southern California. And then outside mm-hmm. we have one in Hawaii, Portland, Nevada, or Las Vegas, Arizona, or Scottsdale, Texas, mm-hmm. Houston, Austin, Miami, Vermont, and Atlanta. Gotcha. Nationwide. I love it. So yeah. let's talk about this uh, Underwater tor- Torpedo League. And uh, so you, you introduced it a little bit, but I'll ask the rules in a minute. But I'll preface it by saying uh, this was, I think, I don't know, three or four Thanksgivings or Christmases ago. I was with my wife's family, and uh, her, one of her brothers was showing, you know, I think it was on like House of Highlights or ESPN or something like that, this game. And I was like looking at it, and I was like, oh, I know what this is. I was like, I've seen this before. Like, this is at, at like Don's place. And then, then I was explaining it. So I was like, man, like, it's really cool to see this thing take off and be like, you know, exploding through the more mainstream uh, sport outlets. So let, tell us a little bit about the game. Um, what, what are the rules of it? What is this uh, underwater torpedo league? Yeah, so it uh, started as a military game, like we said. And back mm-hmm. then, we just played some random rules. You know, some people use fins. Some people use kettlebells, put them down at the deep end of the pool. You got to hold on to the kettlebell for three seconds. Or, you know, just like a bunch of different combinations of rules and kind of ways to play it. Okay. So when we got out of the military, we're like, all right, cool. Let's create a game that's professionalized as much as possible. And yeah. then making sure that has all the safety aspects built into yeah. it. Yeah, right? I'm so sure you guys don't worry about thing. that in the military. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> now it's become to five on five. And then the goals, imagine like a water polo net, shrunk down, put them mm-hmm. down in the deep end of the pool. Typically anywhere between like 13, 12 to 15 feet is what we like to play at uh, deep. And then it's five on five. And if you can imagine like um, a soccer offense with you know two forwards two mids and like a goalie or defense in the back and then Mm -hmm. a basketball defense with like a three-man front two-man in the back now that's the tactics i always used to play with um there's completely different tactics and how people play now but that's kind of (laughs) yeah the game's evolved a lot um but the goal of it is to get this torpedo into the net right Mm -hmm. um you can swim it in you can shoot it in you can you know dunk it in or whatever it is but you have to be underwater when you're holding the torpedo and people can grapple you. So if you let go of the torpedo, that means that you have to let go of you or if you get it ripped out of your hands, mm. you know, um, and whoever has a torpedo needs to stay underwater. So, um, of course, no kicking, no punching and all that stuff and um, no ripping goggles, no grabbing clothes or anything like that. But it become a very, very con- or contact sport really quickly. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, it sounds like some uh, like underwater other. wrestling. If you get the yeah. torpedo. <laughs> yeah. So underwater rugby, some people play. I don't know. Rugby there's like a sense, lot of yeah. underwater sports that were out there. When we started this, we're like, there's no other underwater sports out there. But it was like underwater hockey, underwater rugby mm-hmm. that people have been playing since like the 50s, which is insane. Mm. And, and like, I'm so pumped that we got a lot more traction than them in the, you know, the last five and a half years we've been building this and, and seeing where it takes it. But uh, yeah, it's been an awesome and interesting journey. So last year we did like we try to do like a five and a half month season with Southern California teams. I think we had eight teams playing at the t- or seven teams playing at the time with like a mm-hmm. little bracket. And then this year we're like, you know, that's too limited. Like we need to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to, to play it, grow it. So we created torpedo, we created the nets and all that stuff. Started selling that on Amazon and some other places. And then mm-hmm. now we just have it as like a pickup game. So mm-hmm. all of the deep end fitness locations across the United States has it's not like an official league or anything. They just play pickup games. And then we throw this year we're through, we're throwing two tournaments. So we threw one in May that had nine teams. And then we're throwing one in the end of September, beginning of October um, that has like 13 teams signed up from across the country. So um, that's where we're trying to grow it now. And, We'll see and what, what do happens. you what what do the games like play to like is it uh you know goals or points and what does it go up to when's the uh what's like the regulation time or how's yeah the structure? that's a great question so it's five on five and then yeah. um the goal is to get the torpedo into the net so the very first mm-hmm. one it's like a swim off so we put the torpedo in the middle of it and then the you know five on five swim down grab it like dodge and once ball, you have cool. pos- yes once you have possession of it um you need to pass it one time at least before you go in there. So, mm. you know, you're not just swimming the full length of the pool, then grappling each other and people putting in there. But, um, um, what was, what was the question? What again? points? 
Points. Oh yeah, points. How many so once points? you score the <laughs> once you score the points, yeah. Once you score a point, everybody comes up to the surface, and then um, everybody swims back to their side. Like if you scored on that side, people swim up to the side they scored on, like kind of like football. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get thirty second rest in between the next play. That's nice. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, how so, many points like to win? Or you probably so five. You play to five points okay. for um, the game, and then best of three games wins the match. Okay. Is there any time restraint or is it just up to points? It's just up to points. Yeah. But okay. typically around 45 minutes to an hour is what we do. So okay. even though the two games is like 45 minutes ish, 38 minutes or something like that. And then if you play up to three games, it's um, probably Adds around up. an hour time frame. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So when, when did you see it really take off and was it just uh pure word of mouth, people throwing it on Instagram and then it kind of ended up on some of these bigger uh, websites and services or how that, how did it really explode like that? Yeah. So at first when we started it, like people were just putting their GoPros like down in the water and like mm-hmm. recording the thing and, you know, doing it for fun. And they started throwing it on YouTube and it, was, it wasn't even us that was thrown on YouTube. Yeah. It was just like UTL raw clips or something that was people were posting that started catching a lot of attraction and attention on YouTube. Um, and then we're like, all right, well, let's record it and see what we can make of it. Try to professionalize it, you know, get like matching uniforms and, and all that stuff. And then from yeah. there, it's just like, People, it just blows people's minds of like what it is and yeah. what we're doing under there. Because it's very unique. <laughs> I remember Dana White making a comment like back in the day where like where he was talking about like if you go to like uh, the World Series baseball game and people are bases are loaded and all that stuff and the fight breaks out in the bleachers and stands, people are mm-hmm. gonna pivot their attention yeah. to the fight in the stands. So we're doing that kind of same thing as people are scrolling through social media that there's a fight but underwater. they're underwater. So yeah. it's like very eye-catching content for it to mm-hmm. go viral and for people to do that. So that's when it kind of caught traction, like 20, end of 2019, 2020 kind of time mm-hmm. frame. And then we started getting a lot of like news outlets come out, like, what are you guys doing here? What is this? Like, is it safe? What is it going <laughs> on here? And then, you know, ESPN. And we had just a lot of athletes that come through from professional surfers, um, MMA fighters, football players, you know, we have a small contract with the Padres down in San Diego, some of the Chargers players up in the NFL with the the LA Chargers. So that kind of became like, all right, what are these guys doing? What's the benefit of it? Especially since it's new um, in the way that we present it, right? None of the training that things that we've done are like extremely revolutionary or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. the combination of them and how we deliver it is the kind of competitive advantage that we have in in the way that we do that, so... What is the long term, or maybe you could, you know, it's hard to predict too far out, but at least the you know next few years vision for the league. Is it something that you would like to actually see more into, a, like a full fledged uh, kind of third party type sport that that you know can be carried out beyond deep in fitness facilities? Or what are your thoughts on that? It is, yeah. <clears throat> so the first goal is right now is to find like a, a home for it, right? Like a, a like a structure that we can build on our own that we can play official games. There's like perfect camera setups because mm-hmm. like right now yeah. it's like the visibility and like how they watch a sport, even when they come to the tournaments and all that stuff, we, you know, we put the cameras and a projector on the jumbotron, but people are still outside of the water. I mean, yeah. you know, people jump in the water, look in the lane lines and, you know, we allow for all the spectators to jump in and look underwater. But it's not like we can't engage a crowd of like 17,000 people. Like yeah, it is a hard sport to make a, a spectator right. sport, right? Right. So how can we build that to make it a spectator sport, right? Can we build a big glass pool on, the, you know, mm. in a building somewhere and people yeah. can watch it? We can raise this glass pool or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. That's the key right now, I would say, to, to figuring it out, right? Because swimming, people can see them on the surface going back and forth, but sometimes people come watch and like our feed goes down for like 30 seconds and someone scores is just like dead silence and people just come out of the water just yelling slapping the water and mm-hmm. no one really knows what's going on so that's kind of the huge problem we need to kind of overcome and 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 fix right now before i think we can really try to blow it up but right now we're just going to keep it pick up game sport you know there's like random colleges out there from like vmi you know a few colleges in new york oregon yeah. so like they just started a club team we send them some gear and they're playing on their own, make sure they're instructor certified before they do this yeah. type of training so that everything's safe. So we're just letting it run its course right now and, and helping promote the growth of it uh, in a safe and effective manner. Yeah, no, it's super cool. What are the steps, I guess, that, or, or at what point would you have to actually get it regulated per se or have more oversight as far as some of the safety protocols? 
I mean, right now, if anybody, you know, wants to start a team and like mm -hmm. are serious about this and they're not doing it just on their own, like you have to go to our uh, deep and fitness instructor course. You okay. also have to go to our UTL referees and coaches course, right? Like, Hey, understanding mm -hmm. the full risk of it and all that stuff. So, um, like this tournament, we have teams coming out from Texas, Portland, Vegas, and stuff like that. But those are all already deep in fitness locations mm -hmm. that have started a team. We have a team last tournament come up from um, the Marine Drill Instructors, but they're all water survival instructors on their own. So it's like, okay, cool. Can you guys just do this quick screener? Everything's good. You understand the safety procedures and stuff like that. Then to participate, do you have to be? Do you have to have those uh, certifications, or is it just to kind of be like the uh, the leader of it? yeah someone in the team has to be there so the leader okay. or the coach or whatever that is just needs to have those safety certifications so they understand what they're doing gotcha gotcha yeah. well transitioning from that i'd love to hear more about it. i think it's quite fresh but i'd still love to hear more about it uh, operation resilience gave me the what the why the how and, and i think you guys recently did an event a few months ago um so t tell me about this yeah so i mean uh prime and i we used to run a nonprofit. um organization back in they called the marine raider challenge and it was mm -hmm. like uh, a series of fitness competitions and events like that to challenge special operations guys to build com community camaraderie uh and through like shared struggle right especially yeah. guys transitioning so act active duty veterans and all that stuff can you know go to this donation event and you know we have a bunch of donors come in and watch a show and all that stuff but our unit from first Marine raider battalion moved over to the east coast because they consolidated them so we kind of disbanded that in like 29 or uh 2020 is when we kind of stopped doing that mm -hmm. so from there we're like okay you know focus on the business and all that stuff but just as of recent years we just had so many people reach out to us and like hey you know i'm going through a lot of struggles right now you guys are look like you know, successful Marines or, you know, guys that have made the transition, mm -hmm. you know, can you give me any tips and advice and tricks like that? And we were fortunate in our transition to have so many resources that were available to us from, you know, psychedelic healing process from mm -hmm. uh, retreats to, you know, go hog hunting from a helicopter to rock climbing, mountain climbing and all that stuff. And we were able to explore all that, but people don't know what these resources are you know they don't have access to it they don't know who to contact and we've been doing this like just recommending people all the time and it actually is starting to take up a lot of time of ours from focusing on the business and us like so we're like yeah. hey is there a way that we can create a network with help from other veterans special operations or not and help guide people in the right direction you know and i think since i got out like i've had eight friends close to me that have committed suicide you know so we're like hey this cannot go on any longer we need to mm -hmm. do something about it we need to create something official and just give people a space to to talk to someone and then find resources whatever they want to do and we're never the expert in hog hunting you know i don't yeah. know anything about that besides pulling the trigger you know and you know people <laughs> yeah. are like shamans out there healers therapists and all that stuff i'm not an expert in that but i do know people that i can connect you with that will mm -hmm. guide you in the right direction so that's the goal of it now is just to be that bridge like over troubled waters for them to like let them know that there's experience. So we started off with the special operations veteran side, then we expanded to the veterans community as a whole. Mm -hmm. Now we have so many pro athletes that we used to train or they're friends of people that used to train with us that are asking for the same resources. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of blown up into it's just like, I mean, we started the organization four months ago, but we've mm -hmm. just been doing this work for I don't know how long. You know, so now we're just, it's cool to put a name to it, get some, you know, funding added onto it and, and kind of grow that in the program. But once we started it, it's like really opened up the doors for like other resources to help and hit us up and yeah. like be available for that, which is yeah, awesome. It, it, so. And like you said, it's like, you know, you don't have to be a therapist or any kind of specialist to at least make the effort. And I think that's what it's about. It's effort. It's, it's like talking to people. And I think it's trying to instill and, and build a, a community and brotherhood beyond the military, because I think in the military, I, I can't speak from experience, but obviously you're, you're put in these units and you have these guys that really are, you know, your brothers and you guys are relying upon each other for your lives and to complete these missions. And then once you come out of the mil military, you're kind of stripped of that um, solidified, guaranteed community and brotherhood. Yeah, so it's exactly. like, how can we, how can we kind of rebuild this and manufacture it uh, in the civilian world in this country? Um, so it's it's really cool that you guys are doing that. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it, man. And yeah, it's been a it's been rewarding for sure, and and like helping people and seeing people grow and overcome 
so many dark places, dude. And and that's yeah. like the that's the biggest benefit of it all. So yeah. So to wrap things up a little bit, what's next for Don Tran? Because I see you a lot at the uh, the shooting range. Obviously, you always stay fit. I'm wondering, have you been interested at all in like the tactical games and a lot of what like uh, Jacob Hefner does? Yeah, I've definitely been interested in it and looking at it. the more like I honestly didn't even know about the tactical games till um Jet Je- or Hepner jumped onto the team. I'm like, oh man, yeah. this guy's beast. You know, I, I always knew from CrossFit, but I didn't even know what the tactical games were. And I, I started seeing that. And I'm like, definitely something I'm I'm interested in and gonna explore it's, in the future. It's super fresh sure. because I, I was kind of tempted to get into it more too. Um, although I've I've mainly only fired uh, uh, pistols and I haven't really fired too much rifle, but I was like looking into the different events. I think the struggle right now for me, and maybe the same as for you, is like finding an event that's like relatively close because I don't think they have any in Colorado. It's mostly some along I think the East Coast. I think they have one in Kansas where he lives, but I think it's just until it can slowly expand more. I mean, just like we're talking about with your sport, right? As they can kind of slowly expand more and figure out the logistics of bringing the equipment, setting up these, uh, you know, different uh, routes, or I'm blanking on the term, but basically, you know, they're set up for running these games. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be a while, I guess, till more people can get involved, but it, it seems like really exciting and, and like right up, you know, your alley or really any veteran's alley that's very familiar with firearms still loves to do it, but also wants to incorporate fitness too. Yeah, yeah. It looks very interesting. Uh, definitely down the line. I'm definitely going to do one for sure. Yeah, yeah. So w- I guess to wrap things up, what are your big goals this year? Um, business, personal, fitness, what, what do you got planned? Yeah, uh, business, just continue to grow, get as close as to 40 locations as we can um, and continue to expand that. And then mm-hmm. um, UTL just let it run its path right now to the tournament, you know, get exposure and, and see all that stuff. And then for personally... Um, no more marathons? So right now I'm actually overcoming a herniated back or oh. herniated disc right now. So I'm like okay. my since like April of this year, it's been like on the road to figure it out and, and recovery and all this stuff. And this is the longest I've not been able to run, lift heavy. I mm-hmm. still go to the gym as much as I can, but trying to overcome this first. So right now, like I just did my third epidural shot. And if that doesn't work out, like the next thing the doctors want to do is like surgery. So I got to figure out where I'm going to go with this and build this up, exploring a bunch of different options like stem cell. I was going to uh, say actually. stem cell. Is it is it a lumbar? Yeah, it's lumbar, yeah, L4, okay. L5, and uh, L5-S1. Okay. Yeah. A four and uh, eight millimeter protrusion. So not yeah. too insane, but definitely pinching on that sciatic nerve and everything like that. So right now, it's maybe it's God's sign to tell me to slow down a little bit from everything I'm doing. But where is you about that first? And then uh, um, next year, get back on it. Gotcha, gotcha. Where where can people find uh, you, your businesses, um, and Operation uh, Resilience as well? Yeah, we're on social media, Operation Resilience, Deep in Fitness, uh, Underwater Torpedo League, just spelled like it is. Or uh, My Easy. Instagram is Don.Lives, yeah. I know, your Instagram, your OG one got killed, right? What happened with that? Yeah, I got I got hacked. Uh, <laughs> everything got hacked, actually. It's crazy. I went over to, for, to Thailand for a school trip yeah um, with usc for like the international business portion of it but i jumped on some open network to log in and submit some stuff for work and then when i got back you know like netflix bank accounts my (laughs) robin hood investment accounts everything got hacked so yeah that's a brutal reset but uh glad glad we still got you uh on ig all right man well i I appreciate uh talking to you today safe travels and um, yeah, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, please give uh, Donna to follow and, and check out all the stuff that he does and uh, share the podcast if you enjoyed it. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Cool. Thanks for having me on the show, brother. Appreciate it.